Stinging wave, fox beard, lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's Monday night at 7.30 p.m., and that means we are live. That means you can give us a call at 646-668-2433 and join in the conversation tonight. We've got a great show planned for you. But before I do that, before I get into the show, I want to introduce to you my awesome Trexperts. Let's start off with Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Rated pretty good today. We didn't hit 100 degrees. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> that is nice. Um, and we yeah, don't have the uh, that's good. 97. You can keep it. You can keep it. <laughs> and uh, we don't have our trifecta from Portland, but we do have a dynamic duo from Portland. We'll start off with David. How are you doing tonight, David? Pretty good. Pretty good. Did, did you bring the donuts? Darn it. I forgot to go. <laughs> oh, no donuts? Oh, you're fired. That's it. <laughs> you're done. You're like a triple. You're history. <laughs> and also also from Portland, we have Paul, the wine guy. How you doing, Paul? Hey, Jim. I'm doing great, man. The city where it rains perpetually as long as you can care to stand it. That's what's going on here, man. Just endless, endless months of rain. Months and months donuts. of rain. And donuts. <laughs> you have good donuts out there. <laughs> Different strokes, man. Different strokes. It's I'm more of a kind of like, <laughs> like water world. It's all it's all yeah. rain. <laughs> Pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, brother. All right. Well, so guys, we have a really great show planned for you. For the next hour, we're gonna be lucky enough to have Lori Ulster with us. And you're thinking, Uncle Jim, who's that? Well, I'm about to tell you, and man, you are gonna be surprised. So uh, Lori was the supervising producer on After Trek, which was the Star Trek Discovery um, after show uh, before Will Wheaton and before this other show called The Ready Room, which was on Facebook Live. It was originally After Trek and uh, way, way back in 2017. And we're lucky enough to have Lori with us. And we're going to talk about After Trek quite extensively. So if you remember After Trek, this is your lucky night. But wait. There's more. She's also the senior editor at Trek Movie and co-host of the all-access Star Trek podcast. And you think I'm done yet? Oh, no, no, no. She also is the producer and the writer on Burning Questions, which was the Handmaiden's Tale after show, kind of like The Ready Room, but for The Handmaiden's Tale. And she's co-founder of Read It All Up, a media company focused on kids' literacy. So, and a huge Star Trek fan, obviously. So our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to talk to Lori or just call up and talk with us, please do. We'll be with you for the next hour, and we'd absolutely love to hear from you. So let's just dive right in and talk about After Trek, if you don't mind, Lori. How does that sound? Let's start right off with After Trek. I'd be very happy to talk about After Trek. So when we started, I started this podcast in 2015. There wasn't a lot of Star Trek, and then Discovery dropped. When Discovery dropped, After Trek dropped. So we had a two-hour show, and we would do an hour on Discovery and an hour on After Trek. So After Trek became kind of part of our podcast in the early years. And what we really liked about um, After Trek is that it felt like a, like a mini Star Trek convention almost. 
Um, I've, I've posted a couple of videos on our Facebook page for those of you who don't remember After Trek. But um, there was all kinds of, they did like uh, Star Trek costumes. There were um, from conventions. There was cosplayers. There was Star Trek artwork. Um, they, they had countdowns of various different things that happened during Star Trek. Of course, they had the interviews with the stars and the actors, which was always fun. Uh, exclusive clips you know, that kind of stuff. And we really enjoyed the show. And um, not to knock Will Wheaton, because if you guys listen to the podcast, you know that I love Will Wheaton and I, I deeply respect him. He's, he's a really a class act. But um, The Ready Room is a very polished, very um, uh, professional type of, of uh, production. And it, it kind of feels like just it's a promotional show for Paramount+. Plus. Whereas, and that's great. I'm, I'm not knocking that. It's, it's great. We, we always watch the other ready room and talk about it. But After Trek was a little bit different. After Trek was like, um, it was like some fans got together and said, hey, let's make a show about Star Trek. And let's talk about this and talk about that and talk about that. And there was all kinds of fun topics and great things on After Trek. So, Lori, how much of what we saw on After Trek were your ideas? Well, I mean, it was, we had an amazingly creative group of people, so it was a very collaborative show. We were all fans at different levels. I would say there were maybe three of us who were, like, particularly huge fans, and then various levels. But a few of the things, there are a few things that I remember very early on. The director of our show, Joe Proto, was an old friend of mine that I had worked with in my early days at MTV. And so I remember talking to him after I got permission to do this. And I was like, Joe, I have this idea. It's a crazy idea. Day one, one triple. Week two, five triples. We we only did that for the first half of the season, but we had so much fun making the triples and putting them in different places and figuring out where they'd go and then dropping them on Sonequa and Mary, which is what we ended up doing, which was so much fun. But also, um, I came up with a cadet training, which was we'd pick three episodes that we thought were helpful for people that just gave them some information that paid off in the, in the actual episode. I'm trying to think like there were a couple of different package ideas. I mean, everyone was coming up with different ideas for the produced pieces. One of my favorites wasn't even mine. It was called season of shade. And it was all the times that usually Michael Burnham gave shade to somebody, but often it was, it could have been somebody else too, but we tried to have a lot of fun with the different pieces and be playful as much as we could. We would have done sort of more old school stuff, but we actually didn't have access to footage from the older shows for the most part. Oh, really? I I would think being at that time, it wasn't Paramount plus it was CBS all access. If you guys don't remember, but um, I would have thought being CBS all access, they would have had all access to everything. No, even photos were hard for us to get. Like we'd have to go into Getty. If we needed a photo of a communicator, like it was, it was a little crazy that way, just because of, I mean, if you remember, the shows were really on a lot of different streaming networks at that time too. Right. And I I do remember the Tribbles. We we talked about that on the podcast, that the Tribbles just kept multiplying all the time. And we decorated some for Halloween. We, we put them in little costumes. (laughs) And I I still have some of them. You had these fun segments, which, uh, like, I found one on, on YouTube about the countdown. There was always these fun little segments about things that you might have missed in the show, which, which we loved. And that, I, that was, was my one that... idea. And then um, Eliza, our associate producer, did all the tallying and counting and figuring and brainstorming with me about what things should be included in there that would be fun. So those were so much fun to make. It, it, and it was fun to watch too. And you also had a, a segment where they showed artwork that the fans had drawn up. Yeah, and our art yeah. designer was a brilliant, brilliant guy named Sean. He he still does incredible work. And so he built that gallery that you saw it in. Like you remember, we'd move around a gallery and then sort of come up yeah. close on each piece of art. And I've since made friends with some of those artists, which is funny. Like, I didn't realize we were sort of connecting before we connected. 
but I love doing that because I think like the history of Star Trek fandom going all the way back to the 60s, it's fan art. It's such a huge part of it. And that's when we first watched, when, when Discovery first came out and After Trek was on, that's exactly how After Trek felt. It, it felt like a fan. It was for the fans, really. And it came well, it across made, that way. Well, it was made by fans for fans, for sure. And not, I mean, I don't, I'm going to ask the question, but not, why did they, why did they move away from that and move to the Facebook live thing with those other, with those two girls or whoever they were? You know, what was the question I, I used to ask myself a lot (laughs) because I thought this was the greatest job that I've ever, it it was the greatest job I've ever had in my life. And we wanted to continue. We would have been so thrilled to come back every year and do it. I'm going to assume that it was a budgetary issue. And I also suspect, I mean, it was very cheap. They ended up just, you know, they were sitting there having conversations and that was it. And then I also, I also think that we were, you know, the company they hired to make after Trek is called embassy row. Um, And they had done talking dead. That was, I think why they chose them. But so we did it like a real TV production, which meant real money was spent. And I think they wanted less money spent. And I think they wanted more maybe control if that uh, well sense. i'll tell you it was hard when they when they moved away from after trek and went i think they called that that was the ready room i think but it was a different I it wasn't the so. current ready room was it the ready no room, the Charles? current one's good i mean i enjoy the will wheaton one i couldn't watch that one i mean besides the fact that it was terrible i also yeah <laughs> just it hurt <laughs> too much because i really wanted us to come back and it was painfully obvious that wasn't happening happening but you could never find it because it was on facebook live and it was all it was hard to find yeah it it really was we we that's when we stopped if when after trek stopped that we that was it for us um until will wheaton came back with the ready room (laughs) i did i did feel like that host didn't seem to know a whole lot about star trek no i i agree i agree but uh, we we used to uh, we used to like your cadet training, Charles. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I was going to bring up a couple of things, but cadet training. We were fascinated by the cadet training, but we were spending so much time talking about Trek that we wanted to get through the Discovery season. When Discovery was over, we stopped and it's like. We got so we got we need more truck to talk about. Hey, let's go back, write down all the cadet training, and let's go through all the cadet training and how it connected to Discovery. Oh my God! And we had a ball doing that, and then we just started doing our own cadet training. In fact, just recently we did Carbon Creek, which is the DS not the Enterprise episode of the Vulcans on Earth and uh, Yesteryear from Animated. That's so funny. Because we want to just tie them right into the, oh, we're watching that. Wait a minute. These are tied into old episodes. Let's talk about the old episodes and bring some of our fans who are not exposed to it to want to go back and look at the original and the previous series. Yeah. I so what's, up, a little bit of history, what's a little yeah. bit of history of Gideon? Um, So I wanted to, I pitched the idea that I wanted to do three episodes that I felt tied in in some way, sometimes thematically, sometimes just one detail of a planet or the history of mm-hmm. something. Um and then I would go, you know, I was nuts picking them every week. And I remember being told, like, you don't have to be, you're the supervising producer and you don't have to be the person who does that. And I was like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> so I, I insisted that I do it. And then at the end, my first, the first piece I ever sold to the official Star Trek site, which I've written for a bunch since then, was a list of all the cadet training episodes for each one. Well, we appreciated that because when Discovery ended after 15 episodes, we had a whole year to fill without Star Trek. Mm 
Yeah. Or After Trek. So we went back to After Trek, pulled out every single one of your cadet trainings, and talked about each and every one of them and how they related to that particular uh, episode of Discovery. And, and we did that, obviously, because of you. Did so, I make good choices? Go. Did it work oh, out? Yeah. Did yeah. Make good we, <laughs> we had a great time. And, in fact, we had so much fun with the, with the cadet trainings that, um, we like Charles said, we, we decided to. We... Oops, I think we lost Jim there for a moment. Yep, I lost everything. We decided to guys to go back, and I think we did it for season two of Discovery. So we nice. Go back and find episodes and how it tied into previous series. Oh, that's great. It was that's a lot fun. of fun to sit there and go through. It's like, as I said, we still do it on occasion. All of a sudden, we had Vulcan on Picard, and it's like, okay, well, we got to go back and talk about the original situation. And then Ooh, you I must dropped. be having a field a field day with Strange New World. I yeah. dropped my uh, my phone there, and it fell underneath my couch, and all kinds <laughs> of stuff went crazy. Well, <laughs> we 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 liked the cadet training so much that we decided to do our own and our very own Paul who uh, wasn't a huge enterprise fan came along at just the right time. And we introduced him to carbon Creek. And uh, then we had um, Eduardo Roman on the podcast, who was the Vulcan in Picard. And, um, you know, Paul joined us. And I think that was Paul, was that your first uh, enterprise episode? Oh, you're, I think it's a, a little apocryphal, friend. Uh, I think that it's well, not that I wasn't a big Enterprise fan. It's just when it was airing, I was just in an incredibly busy time of life, and and just didn't really have a chance to get into it to the degree that I had other aspects of the franchise previously. I was like, okay, I'll get caught up at some point, and I had just really bad luck of when I would tune in. Um, seeing, let's just say, less than compelling episodes, right? <laughs> so it's just, and I felt like, you know, towards the end, uh, what was it, four seasons? I want to say, yep. Jim? Yeah. Yeah, four yeah. seasons, yeah. By, by the end of the fourth season, uh, I felt like they were really hitting their stride and starting to get really interesting storytelling happening there. And I think maybe they got another showrunner, but I'm not positive. But And, of course, then immediately they, they got canceled. So it's just like... Kind of bad luck for me spending time watching, right? Or it's just like, ah, I should have just ignored it completely, and they probably would have done seven seasons. So. <laughs> but uh, but who knows? But uh, but no, uh, I I the more I uh, actually am glad to be frank that I that I didn't watch it a lot back then because I'm getting a lot more out of revisiting uh, some of the connective tissue of the mythology now with things like the Enar and stuff that I don't think I would have been as into then. Um, being a really harried uh, new parent than I was now. So I'm able to really appreciate all the piece parts uh, fit together uh, like they do. So I'm becoming more of an Enterprise fan than you may think, Uncle Chip. Well, that's a good thing. That That's a very good well, thing, actually. I'm going to throw out that I actually remember one of your first stars that you had on After Trek. And it was such a big wow, it was Paul Stamets and Paul Stamets. <laughs> oh, I, I remember that. The actor who played Paul Stamets, and you had the scientist, Paul Stamets, who actually was studying mushrooms. Yeah. And that was like, wow, Star Trek really is diving into science. You mean like a real cat whose name was Paul Stamets? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Great. Paul Stamets is actually based on an actual scientist named Paul Stamets who does study mushrooms. Yeah, he's worth a follow on social. He posts some really interesting stuff on there. That is was, great. I had no clue. That's hilarious. Yeah, he, they, yeah. the show creators, were they just loved him and created this all about him. But he's, he was fun, and he was a great guest, and he made everybody laugh, and he was perfect. I'm going to have to find uh, that once. It's great. I was trying to find him, Paul, but uh, Paramount, I don't know what happened. I don't know what their agreement is, but it is so hard to find After Trek. Um, I, I was, what I was trying to do is I was trying to find an episode. I wanted, I wanted to rip the opening audio off the episode and play it when I introduced Laurie, but I couldn't find a full episode. All I could find were little clips on YouTube. 
Um, I don't know where it went. I don't know why it's not out there, but it's really hard to find. Oh, yeah. So Lori's got, like, you know, Blu-rays stuck in her closet someplace, right? You know I, I, have digital, I have digital files of all of it. Um, but that's it. It's nowhere. It's really, it's impossible wow. to find. I don't think they've saved it. But, ah, uh, that theme music, I used to get so excited. You know, we were live, so we, we split. You know, Discovery, do you remember they took a break halfway through yeah. the season? So oh, for the yeah. first half of the season, we were actually a live show. And then for the second yeah. half, we were live oh, to man. tape. So that live is tough. Live is exciting. <laughs> like I love doing live TV. Yeah. And that music Literally. would come on and we would get so excited. And I was very lucky in that we, because our budget was tight, we couldn't, we didn't have a stage manager and our studio was tiny. I mean, it was like the size of a tiny room and I couldn't believe how we squeezed everybody in. And so because the director and I knew each other, he was like, can you be my stage manager and just count, count, the, count everybody in? which is honestly one of my favorite. Th- I love counting people in. <laughs> I have a weird fetish about counting people in. <laughs> so that music would start. I'd be yelling in the studio, in four, three. Like there was just this excitement every time that music came on, and it meant we were going back up, and we had, you know, an audience in there squeezed, crammed in with us. So there was a lot of excitement around the theme and, and the show itself. Yeah, and it's and, and literally... It was- it would play Literally, like nine minutes discovery, after Discovery, Charles, something like that. It was it I was right I after dis- Discovery. I think Discovery dropped at something like six hour time. My time. I forgot when it was. Discovery would drop, and about ten minutes later, After Trek would pop on. Yeah, we gave yep. people time because sometimes there were delays when people were streaming it. I mean, remember, CBS All Access mm-hmm. was brand new. Yes. So they had yep. some streaming, occasionally some streaming issues, and so they would mm-hmm. delay us a little bit. But we would show our audience would come in early, and we'd give them cocktails, and they would watch the new episode of Star Trek Discovery there with us, and then go into the studio for After Trek. And often the actors and producers who were our guests would, because they'd never gotten to see an audience enjoying the show, so they would either watch from the other side of the door or they would just go sit with them. I mean, a friend of mine came to sit in the audience and suddenly she's got like Jason Isaacs on one side of her and and Doug Jones is sitting over on the other couch and people were just like, oh my God. So, (laughs) but that was fun for them to see the audience reaction. It, yeah. it really was a great show. It was so unique of a, of a show. It really was. And it's missed. It's missed. I'm so <laughs> glad you guys liked it. It was a quiet little show, and it didn't get talked about a lot. But it had all of our all of our hearts in it, for sure. Well, it did on this podcast. I guarantee you that. <laughs> we liked it. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me ask you uh, about season one of Discovery. So, you know, what did, did you know that Lorca was from the mirror universe and did you find out like the rest of us i found out when i was so we used to get the scripts we'd get the scripts first except the first day the first day of after trek we all sat down and watched the pilot episode which i was like best first day of anything ever in my life and then after that we would get the scripts before the episodes were ready and we'd get additional pages here's a rough draft of the script okay here's the updated pages okay here's a rough cut without any effects so i still remember i was always desperate the minute a script came in i would start going through it taking notes trying to come up with ideas for the show and also just satisfying my insane curiosity and i remember reading that script and just going oh my god oh my god because i didn't I had no yeah idea. and so and i kept running around like who's who hasn't read the script somebody else needs and i think i i begged our associate producer to please just go read the script so that we could talk about it because it was a shock to me i really did i did not see that coming and then i was like oh my god we we talked about that so much on this podcast like something's off with Lorca. he's not right something yeah and and we never and none of us ever guessed the twist that they threw at us we had a million theories but none of us came up with that one that was brilliant what what were some of your other theories i uh, 
I don't remember right now. Uh, I, 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 but we, it, none of them were mirror universe though. We never, <laughs> that we never, we never went there. That just, when we found that out. It's because we, we you didn't like, have the beard. That's right. right. He didn't have the beard. So it yeah. threw us off. Or he shaved the goatee. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then to follow that up, I think, well, that, that wasn't on season one or after Trek, but they followed up the, the Lorca betrayal with, with the Pike, bringing in Captain Pike. And we were worried about how that was going to work. And it was brilliant. Going from the evil Lorca to Pike was a brilliant move. And uh, wow, we loved it. One, one scene and the that I talk the, about. The Giorgio. Giorgio, one of the scenes that I talk about on this podcast endlessly because it's one of my, it just blows my mind how incredibly awesome Michelle Yeoh is, is when they go to the mirror universe and they're fighting on her ship and Lorca has Giorgio and he's got this sword up to her throat and he's standing behind her with the sword to her throat and she kicks him in the face (laughs) and he's behind her. I just... I just, my God, that woman's incredible. <laughs> How do you kick someone in the face standing behind you? Well, Giorgio just did it. Yeah, I love Michelle Yeoh. I, I love, love that, her. <laughs> I love that scene she did in first season where she's got all her, like, advisors standing around her, and she pulls out some device and kills all of them except for one. She goes, and it just goes around and kills all of them except for yep. one guy. That was uh-huh. so great. And and you were involved, uh, After Trek was involved in all that excitement of season one of Discovery. You guys were there for all of that. Yeah. No, and the beautiful, the best part of, well, there were so many good parts of that job. One of the greatest parts of that job was that I would get to email the writers every week, the writers and producers, and ask them a whole bunch of questions. So we had like producers and a writer for the show who would talk to the talent on the phone before they came in and do those interviews. But I would be emailing the writers to just ask them, like, what were you thinking with this? And can we say this? And are you comfortable with us talking about that? And what was your motivation for this? And they were so generous with their time and information. I mean, I've kept every single email. Because they told me in detail what they were thinking when they were writing it and what they were trying to accomplish, what it was like being on set when when the shows were filmed, everything. I mean, Ted Sullivan on that show was so unbelievably generous and kind and tried to help us with everything. Kirsten Beyer was sending me pictures of like her first time on set with Discovery and how she got so emotional. And it was really just an amazing experience. And what we tried to do was we tried to get a writer. We wanted a writer on every episode. And I think the one thing that the ready room is missing and that I think I have to be honest, Paramount Plus doesn't really understand about Star Trek fans is we want to talk to the writers. We want to hear from them. We love the actors. We love the producers, but we really want to talk to the writers, too. And they, I don't think they understand the depth of that fandom. Amen, oh, sister. And, <laughs> and yeah. that's where After Trek was different. It was different from the Ready Room. I, as I said at the top of the show, Ready Room is, is a very polished, very uh, professional. Not that After Trek wasn't, but... It has no, but they're totally edited. Different... We were not edited. <laughs> it has a different feel. It has a different vibe to it than After Trek did. Completely different. After yeah, Trek well... was fun and bubbly and exciting and, and all these things together. And it was a different show. Well, totally so one, we had, we had a live audience, which makes a huge difference. And we were either live or live to tape. So they are edited which makes sense for what they're doing. And it certainly is a, is a cleaner show there. Um, but we were coming up with stuff on the fly, coming up with stuff that day. Our host, Matt Myra was a right, you know, he's a, he's a writer on the Goldbergs and a comedian. And he just understands how to like go with the flow and, and respond to the energy in the room. And I think he got better and better as we went along. And he's a huge, huge Star Trek fan. So we were all kind of there for the same reason. And yeah, it was a very different energy. But our audiences, we only had like, we could only squeeze 15 people into that room. 
And they were loud and fun and rowdy. We had people who tried to come every week. It was just, well, and we gave them drinks, which probably helped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was just a fantastic, and I think we just had an energy. That the ready room, it's hard to do when you have three people sitting on a couch. It's hard, you know, or on Zoom. It's hard to do the same level of energy there. And I I was watching the clip um, of... uh, of uh, Sonequa talking about her relationship with Spock, which I posted on our Facebook page. And she's there with Mary Wiseman, and they're talking about their hair. And yes. the whole interview with the two of them is completely different than when you see the two of them on the ready room. It's a different energy. It's a different feel. Yeah, we. I remember that we wanted – the funny thing that I remember about that hair conversation is we wanted to talk about hair because we noticed – other characters, too, even minor characters, had very different hair from what we'd seen, much more natural hair than we were used to seeing. And But Matt was like, that's a really weird subject for me to bring up. <laughs> he felt that it was, <laughs> you know, it didn't feel natural. And so we, I think we just combed Twitter until we found a tweet from somebody mentioning it. And then we used that as our way to talk about it. And they were so excited to answer that question because it, obviously if you look at both of them, it's a big issue for them and, and yes. hair in general and particularly women's hair and particularly black women's hair is such a yes. big deal and has always been straightened and fixed and tidied. And, and so they were so enthusiastic talking about it. And again, the energy in the room just went up. And when Sonequa was even talking about her relationship with Spock and she's doing her little Vulcan salutes, like she's doing selfies and stuff like it just, there was a different energy. And when they came to our, they would come to, we would tape on Sundays. So our office was empty. So they would come to our office and usually just be sort of, they had green rooms, but they spent a lot of their time out there in the main area with us getting ready and having conversations and stuff. And so there was already a really good energy flowing before we even got into the studio. Well, it was was a great show. Even with Tilly. You didn't have, you don't see that many Star Trek actresses with that many curls that I love. really toss a good red hair. And I think that just the way Tilly acted got many of us that just love Tilly. She yeah. just easily turned out to be such a fun character. And then don't you miss her? I miss her. And then, and then when the they universe, we got Pat. We got Captain, Captain Tilly. Tilly. And, yep. Oh man, we got the we just love Tilly because we saw that mean side of her, and that was so. It was even the even as far to the point that at the convention at Star Trek Las Vegas, that when they had when they done Captain Captain Tilly, that one of the comic book art designers. Actually, did a Captain Killy poster, a little mini poster, and I actually won one of them in the panel, oh, and cool. decided to stick around to the end of the show, end of the convention, just to get her to sign it. Did she love it? That's awesome. She loved it. I, you know what? I just I, went to see her in a play, by the way. She's in the, she did a play called At the Wedding. She starred in it at Lincoln Center, and she blew my mind. Oh, She's unbelievable. I can imagine. And hopefully when that play is done, she comes back to Star Trek again, we hope. Well, the play is done, so I really, I, I really miss her. Like I felt like once she left, when she wasn't on every episode of Discovery, her, her absence was palpable. And yes. we talked to her husband about that, too. We had him on the podcast, and we're like, dude, you got to get her to come back. And he's like, I can't talk about it. I, I can't say anything. And I'm like, yeah. well, you make sure and tell her that we love her, and we miss her, and we want her back. You make sure you tell her that. And he said, I love, yeah. I love to hear that, and she loves to hear that, too. And I said, you make sure you tell her that, because <laughs> we need her back. So, yeah, we couldn't get uh, any know, information out of him either. We tried. <laughs> we, uh, Paul, I mean, er, Charles and I have been hogging up all Lori's time with After Trek, and you've been 
Oh, you're giving in me the wings. such a good segue, Jim. Thanks, buddy. Well, see, it's, it's like, it, it again, kind of, you know, mea culpa disclaimer. I didn't get to see After Track that much. I wasn't as aware of it. I was just too frantically as a, at a crazy time for me when that was airing. But you know how you said uh, on here, uh, Lori, about how fans want to hear <laughs> from the writers. I'm more interested in talking to you about your writing frankly, after what I read this morning, because I sat down and read your In Defense of Captain Kirk piece, and I got to tell you, that was absolutely fantastic. It was uh, extremely well done and uh, comprehensive with a capital C, friend, so uh, more. <laughs> I want to read more. Thank you. I do a lot of freelance writing, and I, my favorite thing to write about is TV. And my favorite TV to write about is Star Trek, but I love writing about all different kinds of TV. And that, that one, I was so happy. They were so good at StarTrek.com about letting me run long with that one. And are you said, doing like a whole series on all the captains? Is that no, they, they happened to, and I pitched that a long time ago. And when they accepted it, I was in the middle of, uh, I, co- I co-wrote two books this year. It's been a busy year. And I was in the middle of writing one of those books and was like, I can't do it until the end of May. And so they let me postpone delivering it and then incorporate it into their captain's week. Wow. Well, it's just great. I mean, you went, I'm, I'm very old school, love the original series probably more than anything else. And, uh, and just, you you know, yeah, dug deep with this one. It was great. And you, uh, you really, uh, portrayed, I think, a nice three-dimensional uh, portrait of his foibles and his ability to be optimistic and learn lessons. I just don't think we get, uh, you know, that was really your whole point, was uh, he's become kind of almost a, you know, an, a, a hipster caricature in a lot of people's minds, right? That he's just this swaggering, my shirt's ripped guy, you know, is almost, you know, uh, become a bit of a joke in some ways in some people's perceptions. And it's so not true or uh, or are fair to the character. You really acknowledge that in just a, a really great, respectful way. And it was just entertaining as hell to read at the same time. So yeah, I was just thrilled. It's delightful. So uh, have you done a lot more, I'm guessing, on StarTrek.com previously in terms of stuff? Yeah, I've, I've written a whole bunch of pieces for them. I've done some interviews with them for them. Um, and then I'm always, you know, every once in a while, I just pitch them a whole bunch more stuff to see what they what they want. And then I also I write about Star Trek for a site called The Water Cooler, and I'm about to start writing. I actually just uh, delivered my first piece for CBS Watch, which mm. is it's a print magazine that has a website, so they want, we're looking for digital articles. And they, they reached out to me, which was very flattering, and they said, <laughs> the editor wrote to me and said, we need people to write about all Paramount Plus shows and then in brackets, and that includes a lot of Star Trek, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> so I have an article going up there about uh, sort of cadet training. It's episodes for to fill you in a little uh, for Strange New Worlds. Oh, so I wrote that. Oh, way. Where yeah. is that show? So where do good. I follow you on your social? Are you preferred on Twitter? Is that where you're at? Yeah, I'm Flubish on Twitter. F L O O B I S H. Flubish. Okay, awesome. I'm I'm all over it. But uh, and I want to hear about these books that you wrote. I wonder what's going on there. Well, I'm so I'm not supposed to. One of them is a is a is very exciting for me. It's an official companion guide to a hit sitcom that is not on the air anymore. It had eight seasons. See how cagey I'm being about not saying ah, what it was. It's okay. on. It started on, in hand. Yeah, so it comes out in November. I mean, if I've seen it on the Amazon site, am I allowed to mention it? I've seen it up on the Amazon site. It exists. It's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine there. They said it. Oh, um, oh yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You just let it out of the bag right here. I've watched, it's out of the bag. I've watched that. I've seen that before. <laughs> so, Congratulations. That's fantastic. That's a, lot of loyal a big fans. one. And I have a couple others that I've been working on. So that is exciting. And that's a new area for me is moving into doing books. I really love writing about TV, but I also will just write for, you know, lots and lots of websites have let me write about my shows and why I love them or what I want to say about them or whatever weird listicle I want to put together back in the day when screen rant was profitable for a writer and free and fun for a writer, which it isn't anymore. 
Um, I used to do a million Star Trek articles for them. Hilarious, fun, scariest episodes, episodes to show your kids, um, bad moments for women, great moments for women, uh, why Captain Picard is the greatest ever, you know, all kinds of things like that. And that, those well, are all I am still em- live. embarrassed that I've not found your writing prior to today, <laughs> Sheep- <laughs> sheepishly, but I'm excited that there's this trove of stuff to go read that I have not had a chance to be exposed to before. So I'm super excited uh, because it's like the first thing that uh, occurred to me was when you were describing, you know, oh, I got to email with the writers every day and during the early days of, of the show, right? I'm like, that would make a great book. I mean, I would totally yeah. read that book. I would totally read that. It's like during the, the formative era, what were, the, what were the writers coming up with and spitballing to try to, you know, piece together the mythology of the show. That would be great stuff. I think people, that's the kind of thing I think people would really uh, be fascinated to learn about if, you know, all the parties would agree to participate. But I would be, uh, I think there's a real audience for those kind of things. But uh, especially if it's written the way you write, I'd be like, yeah, I'm all over it. well thank you I mean I only know what they would tell me as the you know this was like the shows were already being made this wasn't like the beginning of the writing I will say we all know Discovery had a very stormy time when it was getting started and I'm dying to read that book like we need Larry Nemechek somebody needs to be writing that book because I really want to know everything um, and then I, I can't, I mean, the stuff that was emailed to me is I can't share, like I don't own it. It belongs to somebody else so I can read it and enjoy it. But I, I, I don't think I would have permission to do anything with it or the millions of photos. I mean, I must have a couple of hundred amazing candid photos like Bowie and Erica, the writing team would send me photos and Ted sent me fantastic photos and Kirsten, everybody sent me such great stuff and we would use what we could on, on the air. And then I just have the rest but I can't, it's not mine to share. I've asked permission. I wanted, I used a couple in an article I wrote, I think for the Star Trek site and I asked permission and I, and I got it. Well, you never know what's possible, my friend, but uh, I, 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 it, things change and just uh, look at how much uh, the, the franchise in general has just changed in the last like five years. It's just oh, yeah. mind boggling well, how much stuff's going on here right now. It's just like, you know, well, wild to see it all evolve so uh but i'm excited to uh to follow you now and uh, get caught up on some of this great stuff Lori. so thanks for sharing uh so much of uh your enthusiasm uh today uh, it's just great to, to get a chance to meet you this way yeah this is fun you know i have a my website i actually have a link to all of my star trek pieces no so you oh. head over to laurieulster.com <laughs> you I don't know. That's really hard to remember. I'm I know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want well, to make really for need, it. We need the after track. We need the after after track book now. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. That, that's I saved We, hear, we I need saved all the stories about thing from that show. We want to you hear want... about the tribbles. We want to hear about everything because we no, love Jim, after we, we want the after we want the after trek cocktail recipes. That's what we're after. Okay. We have, I, Eyes we on the prize. We still have those. I think we did like Sumerian sunset <laughs> or something else. And uh, then well, so I'll tell you. I'll tell you a secret thing that people don't really talk about. If you would like. Oh yes. Oh, absolutely. All the all the people around the globe would love to hear it secretly. No one's listening, Lori. It's okay. Yeah, Good. it's just not. because I could get in trouble. <laughs> um, so after after Trek after after Trek finished, we did a pilot for a game show, for a Star Trek Ooh. game show. And Dude, while it didn't end up going, obviously, although I don't know why, because I want a Star Trek game show. Um, Jonathan Frakes was our guest on it, and it was amazing. She did a pilot then. You shot it. We filmed it. Wow. Oh, man. What was it called? Can you say what it was called? I can't say what it was called, and I can't even describe the rounds because I can't, but I can tell you that (laughs) for the Jonathan Frakes part, this part I think is fine. We had we wanted him to come out, and we had three contestants that were real contestants. Like we called them in, but they were kept separate from everything. They didn't they didn't know Jonathan Frakes was going to show up. They didn't know anything that was going to happen. We got real prizes for them, and they gen, we had a genuine winner. Um, but Jonathan Frakes, uh, we just came up with a segment where he would quiz them about Riker. 
So we had a whole list of Riker questions. Oh. And so to prep him, I had to get, you know, we had a much a pared down team doing that. So I had to call him to talk to him about what he was going to do. And when I spoke to him, he was at the airport. And all of a sudden he just goes in that fantastic voice, red alert, like at the top of his lungs. And I'm like, squee on the other side of the phone as he's saying this. And I'm wondering if people at the airport are freaking out that there's this giant guy yelling red alert. Um, and then I, I said to him, do you want me to m- email you the questions or do you want to just look at them when you come here? Like you tell me what's best for you. And he said, why don't you ask me all the questions and we'll see if I know the answers. So I got to quiz Jonathan Frakes about Riker, which was awesome. so much fun. <laughs> and at the very end, he said, who wrote these questions? And I said, I did. And he said, did you know all the answers? I said, almost all of them. And then I said, my brother always tells me 40 years of worthless knowledge has finally become valuable. And so he laughed at that. But he was amazing. He was fantastic on the set. He took pictures with all of the contestants. Their faces when he came out lit up like you would not believe. He is an extraordinary person. Yes, he is. See, these are all great memoirs for your After After Treks book. (laughs) Uh, I'm down for the first first copy. Put me in. I'm all over it. So, Lori, before before we run out of time, though, there were a couple of things that uh, that you wanted to talk about. Let's talk about your podcast, All Access yes. Star Trek. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, how did you get into podcasting, and what you know what led you to All Access Star Trek? Well, Tony Pascal is Anthony Pascal is the founder of Trek Movie, which I've been now writing for and become very close friends with all those guys since. Well, it's right before After Trek, actually. I think it's part of the reason I got After Trek was that I was so immersed in it because of them. And so they had a long-running, excellent podcast called The Shuttle Pod. And Tony wanted to add a second one that was news every week and reviews. And also because they, the group hosting The Shuttle Pod didn't want to feel, now that there was all this new Trek on the air, that they had to do weekly reviews. They wanted to be more free to do all kinds of really fun, eccentric deep dive topics from across the franchise. So Tony and I, our podcast comes out every Friday morning, first thing in the morning. We do all the news, all the Star Trek news of the week. And then we review an episode or two episodes when there are two at a time, which is rough. We do interviews when we can, sometimes when there's no episode to review and sometimes when there is. And then we wrap up with what we call our Star Trek bits at the end, which is just some quirky thing that each of us has seen in a book on the web remembered anything like that. So we have a lot of fun doing it. I mean, I, I find it to be really enjoyable. And, and Tony's uh, brilliant. And uh, what about, what about your uh, kids for literacy? Talk about that a little bit. So a friend and I started a long time ago, a project called read it all up that would help kids with reading through a taste experience by having books that have food in them and having them eat the food while they're reading the books. And then since then, so we, we took this to a couple of schools and we did some experiments with my friend Carol Jacobs, who's a brilliant person. And then we now have another partner, Leanne French, and we're actually working on creating a kid's show that we hope to sell that is about wow. books. So we'll see where that goes. We've recently decided to make it an animated show. So we've written a pilot script. We're working with a designer to do some character designs for us so that we have a complete pitch and then we will see where that takes us i mean it's a long shot everything like that is a long shot we're all tv producers who've been you know in and out of the business for the last few years you know i used to be full-time tv producer and now i'm not so who knows but we would really love to get this made and i feel like it's a very unique property well we'll have to keep our eye out and wish for the best right thank you absolutely so uh yeah, we're running, we're winding down here. So let me ask, what do you think about Strange New Worlds? I, I'm loving Strange New Worlds. I think they, they, where they shine is they have all these great characters they've created. They have legacy characters that they are, that have almost no background that they're building on. And then a couple that we know a lot about. I think it's great. I, I wish they would rely less on things from previous tracks. Like, I don't need the Gorn frankly. And there are other aspects that I'm like, you don't need all that because when they create their own story, it's actually better. 
So Absolutely. I'd like them. I'd like them to rely less on that stuff. But I think it just feels like old school Trek, and it's so much fun. And every character is great. I my only complaint right now is that we're not getting enough of Hammer because he disappears oh, for entire yeah. episodes. And I want Ortegas to have her own episode, but I feel like every character's great. They're all fascinating. The actors are fun. The writing is great. The dialogue is nice and snappy. And the stories are thought-provoking and fun. Yeah, yeah. We do a, we do a segment on our podcast called Hammer Time. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we pull out a, the Hammer quote of the week, but we didn't have one last week. or the, It's been two weeks without seeing him. So yeah. Hammer Time hasn't been hammering because he's been absent, but we love him. Yeah, he, they need to give him more. And I have so many questions about him. I want to know his whole history of going into Starfleet. You know, like when they first introduced, when I was watching Discovery, that was my, I wanted, I wanted to see the TV series that was Saru at Starfleet Academy. That was my dream TV series. But Hammer at Starfleet Academy would also be great. And, you know, uh, well, we I have wanna... a listener... Go ahead, Charles. I want to throw out a comment that Paul talked about the change that's occurred lately. One of the changes that we've seen that we love is how much there's access to the writer's room. Not just your show had access to the writer's room, but that the novels have such great access to the, to the writers. Yeah. The new novels that are coming out are so as we use Trek adjacent because they're all so close to the series that you just love the character building. We got even more Tilly. We got even more Tilly from one of the books and we loved that book. Yeah. In your, in your article about Captain Kirk, you talk about an episode called conscience of the King. Well, uh, there's a book that was written, and I'm going to uh, – help me before I mess up the title, Charles. I get them always mix them up. Desperate was it Desperate Measures. Desert Desperate Measures or Drast – Desperate? Okay. Desperate Measures. I don't know if you've read it or not, but if, check it out if you haven't because it wraps that whole story up with Kodos, and we see oh. Kirk, and we see Giorgio. We see – it's the only time we see Prime Lorca, and uh, – it was Dayton Ward that wrote it, right, Charles? I think. Yes, I, I think it was. And, it, and you know, they're yeah, all Dayton working. Ward. They're working with the shows now, so it used to be the novels were so yes. separate, and now they're and all exactly. connected, oh. which is great. It, it was phenomenal. Yeah. We had because, him on the podcast, and I asked him um, at the end of the book. The book is all over. The story's over, and then there's three pages at the end of the book, just stuck in there. And when you read those three pages, you you go. And I asked him about it. I said, "Why are those? Why did you? Why did you do what you did at the end of the book?" And he said, "Christian Beyer said we had to do that. We had to leave that door open for that character. So I had to write that scene for that character for Prime Lorca. Oh man, that was one of that book is outstanding. Yes, and it just well, if you really you, wanted you, to see why did why does Kirk have such an issue? With this this man, you find out you actually experience the situation prior, so you understand why Kodos is wanted and what was so, what happened, why he is so wanted. And it feels like an episode. It really does. Yeah, it was great. It was great. So I'm gonna read at it. any rate, we're down to five minutes. Can you believe it? Wow. So <laughs> David. David, did I, I did you have a question for Lori about the Tribbles? I did. <laughs> so <laughs> I was kind of curious. Um, Lori, were you ever a part of the short treks when that was going on? No. I love those. I thought those were really experimental oh, okay. and fun. But that came, that was after. After, after, after. After, after, came up with the idea of um, the whole Tribble serial commercial. No, I cannot take any credit for that. All we did was put them on set and make them. We made them a lot. There were tribbles everywhere. In fact, I think all the actors took them home after they were on the show. Everybody asked for one. Um, and I kept I have a handful of them myself. Cool. There will be no tribble at all. 
<laughs> we made them. We had to make them. Well, well, Lori, I got to say that um, I've, I've had a, it's been a pleasure talking to you about After Trek. Like I said, we love the show and we were sad to see it go. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your time and your stories with us about After Trek. We really, really appreciate it. I'm so grateful to know that you guys love the show. That means a lot. And I'm going to share it with the, with the other people because I'm still in touch with them and they'll be really happy to hear that. So thank you, all of you. Yeah. Like Charles said, after Treks was part of our podcast. That's how much we, 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 we loved it. We enjoyed it. And uh, but, but don't forget too, discovery was the first new star Trek that we had since enterprise went off the air. Yeah. And, not only was it new Star Trek, but but it was like uh, the movie of the week when you first when you saw the Vulcan Hello, you were just blown away with with how different Star Trek looked compared to what it was before, and it was just so so cutting edge, so different. And then you follow that up with After Trek, which was different even again, and it was just it was a great time to be a Trekkie. That's, that's all I can say. It was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was I mean, now, with five shows, with five shows, this is a great time to be a Trekkie. Yes. 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 Absolutely. And there's something for everybody. We got the animated Lower Decks and Prodigy, which are, which are great. We've oh, got Pike, okay. Picard, and Strange New Worlds. And, and I hear about there, there might be a Tilly Starfleet Academy thing, maybe, but I don't know. I mean... There's all kinds of and Star Trek Four, yep. is in the works. So we'll see another Star Trek movie with the Kelvin timeline, which is great. So it's a great time to be. And I was gonna, I was saying earlier, the history of Star Trek. We have a, a follower, a fan on in uh, Portland, Anna, and she's just getting into this whole Star Trek thing. And when we talk about things like the Gorn that she doesn't know about, then she goes back and watches those episodes and catches up on all the stuff that's going on because she's new to the whole scene. And that's one of the things that Star Trek, I think, is great at. You can jump in right now and, and be totally cool with it. And if you don't want to know about the history of Star Trek, you don't have to. But if you're curious, here's some cadet training episodes. back to the cadet training. You got us <laughs> hooked. Here's some cadet training episodes for you to go back and watch. See, we, we cabbaged on to your idea, and we're keeping it alive. <laughs> keep it. Keep it. I, I always so. try, when, I, when we review Strange New Worlds, I try to look at it through the eyes of a Star Trek fan and then through the eyes of, well, would I care about this thing if I hadn't seen the show? Because some of the things that bother me wouldn't bother me at all if I didn't know the history. So I try to look at it through those eyes as well. Yeah, we, we... – we loved it. We, we really enjoyed it. We had a great time with it. And uh, I'm so glad that we got to talk to you about After Trek. Me too. I mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I found you kicking around on the Internet somewhere, I think. In the Star Trek I, family Facebook group, perhaps? Yeah, and I said, After Trek, After Trek, I got to get you in the podcast. We loved After Trek. <laughs> and here we are. Awesome. <laughs> well, Lori, that the pretty lady, she's whispering in my ear that we have a minute and a half left to go. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for talking with us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time and your stories with us. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun. And uh, we'll, we'll have to, uh, have to dig out some after truck stuff and maybe we'll have you back on again. Sure. Any questions you have, I'd be, and I'll go through my files and see what I have that is possibly shareable. Oh, that would be, that would be great. I so, can at least uh, get you the so theme much. song. <laughs> I know. I, I wanted to find it for you so bad and play it before the show, but I couldn't find it. So you I'll had to hear our, <laughs> you had to hear our theme song instead. So, oh, well, but anyways, uh, you, thank you so much, Lori. And uh, we'll talk to you. We'll catch you on the flip side. How's that? All sound? right. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Good night. Good night. All right, guys. Well, we got to say good night. I want to let you know that next week, right here, same bat time, same bat channel, we're going to have Ray Tessie with us from Neutral Zone Studios in Georgia. And we're also going to have the fan film extraordinaire actress with us, our very own 
Leslie Sawyer, and she's going to be sharing her stories about working on fan films. So you want to tune in next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel. Please head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. You can find all the information you need right there. And check us out on the Internet at podpage.com backslash Trek dash talking. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying please stay safe, be good to each other, and hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage.